Well, good morning. I learned something, and it's that we can actually make it through an entire song clapping. Good job. <laughs> Baptists can do it. <laughs> but yeah, I, there was a moment this morning where actually I just kind of got lost in worship, and I forgot that I was preaching. And that was my prayer this morning, is that the Spirit would speak, and that's my prayer right now is that we can really glorify and connect with God. And tonight is the AGM, as you've heard about, and it's a big day. We get to vote on a new direction for the next five years. And we've gone through this massive process where we've been waiting on God, where we've been listening and critiquing. But not only that, we've gone through this consultation that kind of helped us discern what are the next goals and so we're going to be talking more about that tonight, and maybe next year we'll have pie so more people can come out and enjoy <laughs> one another, um, but I'm looking forward to it, and please be in prayer. Today, we're finishing up our values, and one of our values today is simply this. We want to be relational, that, that we are seeking to build gospel-centered relationships in every area of our life as a compassionate family that cares for each other and our community and our world. We're saying we want to be relational. Well, the question for all of us is this. Do we actually have people that we can count on? Do we have people that we can go to when life seems heavy and unbearable? Do we have gospel-centered relationships? You know, it's a big question, but it's an important question. Are we connecting with one another in such a way that we can carry one another's burdens? Where we actually know how to help someone? Where we can be, again, the church? Now, I don't know about you, but I've moved quite a few times in my life. <laughs> I think it's upwards of 12 or 14 times I should have counted but probably more than most. And Megan and I kind of have it down to an art. She's really good at packing. She's really good at organizing, stacking the boxes, making everything look neat and efficient. She creates lists. She knows exactly what has to be done by what time. And I'm very good at packing the truck. I played Tetris. And so I'm usually back there trying to figure out every little nook and cranny that we can fill with something because unfortunately we have a lot of stuff. But particularly in one move, I remember I invited the entire youth group to help me. You know, it, it started to become a game. Who can carry the most boxes? As you watch them tip over. You know, who can throw them the highest? Who can make it through the doorway when the box isn't supposed to? And a lot of our stuff did get broken. I learned a lesson. But actually, our last move was quite challenging. You know, we started to move in the middle of a heat wave. And the pandemic was still going on, and so people were having to wear masks in the heat wave in our house. 
we were also doing all the projects that needed to be done, like the house was getting painted on the outside, the fence was getting fixed, and the lists were just getting longer and longer. And to top it all off, we found sugar bugs in our storage room, and it absolutely infested everything. There was a moment where Megan and I were like, in the basement, trying to clean this up and going, seriously, God? <laughs> like, like, it was overwhelming. It was almost the breaking point. We're sweating, crying, trying to go through every box, trying to find these unruly bugs that, that it made their way through everything. But in the middle of it all, we experienced God-centered relationship. Where people from our church family showed up and asked how they could help and carried the heavy burden. They were doing the tasks that we <laughs> didn't always want to do. They jumped in and said, I'll do that for you. And then others would show up and continue to help carry what was too heavy for us. You know what really stood out? As we got through the move, <laughs> we got here, and our new church family showed up, and they helped, and we got through it, and we experienced this unbelievable example of what it means to be in relationship, to be in a church family where we can come alongside and carry one another's burdens. Do we have people that we can count on? This morning, we're going to be looking at Galatians. And the first thing that we want to talk about is, is that we need to actually learn to bear one another's burdens. In gospel-centered relationships, we need to learn to bear one another's burdens. So let's look at Galatians 6, 1 to 5. It says this. Brothers, and sisters, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Ah, but keep watch yourself, lest you too be tempted. And it says, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I'm going to focus on the words, bear one another's burdens. What does it actually mean to bear one another's burdens? Well, the Greek word means to lift up, to raise up, to carry with, to endure with others. It means that you come alongside and you see the heavy thing that they're carrying. And you go, hey, I can take a piece of that. I can help you along. But what are burdens? Well, there's things in life that are emotionally difficult things that maybe are stressing us out, that become a great weight to us. You know, it may be something that sin has caused, maybe even because of our own sin, that we're carrying a great burden. Or it's a God-given responsibility that is heavy and hard. But it's your calling. But notice again, actually, jumping to verse 5, it says... For each, for each, will have to bear his or her own load. In other words, God has given us some kind of responsibility in our calling, 
hard things that He wants you to do to participate with Him and to make a difference in the church, to make a difference in our community. And it, by carrying that burden, it actually makes a difference in you. In other words, He's entrusted each of us with something. And it's not always something that's easy. You know, to look back to Scripture, some of us have families that we're responsible for. And we all have a responsibility for our church to help carry out this new vision. And we all have a responsibility for our own walk with God. That there's things that God has given us that we need to carry. And at times it may seem heavy and hard. But he's saying it's worth it. But I think there's times when just life overwhelms us. You know those moments when you find out a family member is sick? Or that someone's getting a divorce? Or that there's a loss of job? Or, you know, a house burns down? Or whatever it is, fill in the blank. That, that at times there's these unexpected things that creep up. And when you find out, you're like blindsided. And you don't know what to do. And Paul is saying, hey, as the family of God... Help your brother and sister as they're walking through difficulty. Be in a relationship with them. Help support them. Listen to them. Encourage them. Walk with them. Paul is saying that we need to carry our own responsibilities to actually look around and help others carry their burdens. One of the things that I like to do in Victoria was kayak. And I remember Costco had this sale on kids' kayaks, and I thought, oh, we could do this as a family, and so I bought two kids' kayaks. We invited another family to come to uh, Thetis Lake, and, you know, we put them on the beach. The kids were playing. They were building sandcastles. They were swimming, and we were there with another family. And I remember looking at the other dad, and we looked at the kayaks. I was like, should we? Yeah, let's do it. You know, he first jumped on the kayak, and as he was going out, you could see the thing waddling and waving. He's like, yeah, I, I got this. I'm like, okay. I jumped on mine, did the same thing, <laughs> tried to balance on this kid's kayak. And suddenly, out of nowhere, you hear, ah! Hands and feet are flailing. I'm laughing at him. The whole beach is laughing at him. And then suddenly I flip too. In other words, the weight of the dad bod couldn't be sustained from the kayak. They were made for kids. And it was evident to everyone else that the kayaks were not made for me. But just like a kayak, we try to carry burdens that aren't meant for us to be carried alone. Why? Because Paul is saying we need to be in relationship with one another so that we can help one another, so we can love one another. And when things seem too heavy and too hard, you can come in and steady things. And help support 
and carry the heavy load. But I think the other dynamic here is, is that we're not actually meant to carry everything that we carry. You know, it, it might be envy that we're carrying. It might be addiction. It might be financial worries or status or stress or insecurities or pain or jealousy and all these weights that we tend to put on ourselves and we wonder why life seems so heavy. Some of us need to ask the question, what do we need to take off? What do we need to leave behind so that we can actually be in a gospel-centered relationship where we're focusing on Christ and not ourselves and all the things that we think we need to carry? Paul is saying, as we follow Christ, it's not just you and God. It's you and God and everyone else. That we need to be in relationship in such a way that we actually know the struggles of others. That we know how we can help and they know how they can help us. It's through gospel-centered relationships that we can learn to bear one another's burdens, to be in relationship. Well, next, in gospel-centered relationships, he's saying do good for others. Do good for others. Let's look again at Galatians 6.10. It says this. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those of the household of faith, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Well, what does it actually mean to do good? Well, to do good means that we are to live in such a way that we are blessing and enriching people's lives. And as Brian was saying, it's not just me, 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 me. It's actually looking at and going, hey, how can I help support and bless and enrich others? How can I follow Christ in such a way that I'm doing good and it's not all about me? He's saying it's the main thing of a spiritual-led community. It means that we're living by the Spirit and we're not living for ourselves. We're in tune with God. And what she's like, hey, see that need over there? Go help carry it. Do good for that person. They're struggling. They need you. Pray for them. Walk with them. Love them. Carry their burden with them. He's saying it's, it's realizing that we're bringing about renewal and restoration for some, but in other, other days, you may need that in return. That when you are strong, you can help carry others. But when you're weak, you can reach out and say, hey, I need help. But notice that he says this, especially to those who are in the household of faith. Especially to those who are in the household of faith. Paul is saying that those in our church family actually should be a top priority to us. He's saying, pay attention to those that God has placed 
in your spiritual family. That, that, that what we're doing here right now matters. That as we come, talk with one another, connect with one another. When, when we have small groups, the same thing. Be together in community so that you actually know how to do good for others. So, so, so you know when you need to make, make a meal. So you know when you need to read scripture or send that message of encouragement. He's saying be in relationship, especially with those of the household of faith. And he's saying we actually need a healthy local church. That, that, that should be our priority if we want to reach out into the community. That what, what we do here matters again. When we give our time, when we give our resources, when we support one another, we're prioritizing our church family. But then he says in verse 7 and 8, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whoever one sows, that with he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the Spirit reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. What does Paul mean when he's saying sowing the flesh versus sowing the Spirit? He's using this farming metaphor here. He's saying that the harvest doesn't just come without effort and work without planting, without spreading the gospel. It doesn't just magically grow by itself. He's saying all aspects of farming, planting, maintaining, take hard work. It, it takes investment on our part. And he's saying don't be deceived that our actual actions have long-term circumstances, sorry, consequences. That when we invest in our flesh, there's consequences. But when we give all our time to satisfy ourselves and focus on what we want, we don't reap the harvest. But he's saying when we live in the Spirit, when we walk in the Spirit and we feel like giving up, but we're sowing and we're working hard, that's when we see God work. We see seeds planted. We see seeds growing. We see the church being healthy. We see the church living out the gospel. And the question for all of us is, are we walking in the flesh? Because I don't know about you, my flesh is weak. <laughs> it gets discouraged. It doesn't want to get up in the morning. It likes the soft couch and Netflix. But when I start to live by the Spirit, I become in tune with God. I, I start to do things that the flesh don't want to do. I start to invest. I start, start to share the good news. I start to carry one another's other's burdens. Paul is saying, when we live by the Spirit, we reap a harvest. A harvest where the fruit of the Spirit are produced. Well, believers grow 
where sinners are restored and people can hear and see and come to know Jesus. And then Paul says, don't grow weary doing good. Don't grow weary doing good. I think I just needed to hear that. <laughs> Galatians 9 says, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And at times we can grow weary following Jesus, trying to do all the things, carry the heavy load. Why? Because we're constantly battling our flesh. And my flesh is weak. My, my flesh is constantly saying, no, I want to do the easy thing. My flesh constantly wants to give up. But when we live in the Spirit, we can find strength to continue. We, we can find the reason to take that next step, the, the reason to do the hard thing that God is calling us to do. We, we can see fruit in our own heart. We can see people being changed and transformed as we are living in obedience I love what Mart Martin Lloyd-Jones says. He says this, if you could put it on the screen. We need to look ahead to anticipate, to look forward to the eternal glories gleaming afar. The Christian life is a tasting of the first fruits of the great harvest which is to come. Pay attention to this. He says, go on with your task, whatever your feelings. Keep on with your work. God will give the increase. He will send the rain of his gracious mercies as we need it. There will be an abundant harvest. Look forward to it. And ye shall reap. You know, I was just thinking this week that nothing easy, nothing good in life is easy. Nothing. You know, my, my marriage, it's not easy, but it's good. And it constantly takes hard work. My relationship with my kids, it's, it's not easy, but it's good. You know, the responsibilities that God has given me here, it's not easy, but it's good. Christians, I think too often we're looking for easy and not good. And we become weary because it's not easy. <laughs> when God is calling us to something better and greater, So how do we not grow weary? It's when we lean into God, not lean into our flesh. And when we feel overwhelmed, we can turn to him. We can open the word. We can talk to him about what's going on. 
and remember that we don't want easy. We want what's good. And when we lean into God and grab hold of His promises, when we're weak, when we want to give up, we can remember we're going to reap a harvest. Part of that harvest may be people in your life that come to know Christ. Part of that harvest is us standing before God, knowing that we've done everything that we could because we've said yes to Him and not live this easy, comfortable life. But I think part of it is also patiently waiting for God's timing. Realize that you can't control the outcome or the timing of what God is doing in your own life and the life of others. But learning to trust Him in His words. You know, God, why is this happening? Why is this person sick? Why won't you heal? Why won't you fix my marriage? Whatever it is, lean into God and trust Him with the timing. And I know for myself that I can get discouraged when I focus on how my flesh feels. I can get discouraged when I focus on, you know, all the things that I want to have happen that aren't happening. Sometimes we can come with our expectations in relationship, in church, in our small groups, and they aren't met. But what happens if we actually surrender our expectations and come to God and go, hey, I'm going to remove what I want. What do you want? It's then. It's then that we can actually really participate in what God wants to do with us. It's then that we can live in the Spirit and actually take a step forward because you're not living for yourself. You're putting that to a side. It's then that you actually start to lean into God and what He wants rather than yourself. Lastly, in gospel-centered relationships, we need to learn to do good for everyone. We need to learn to do good for everyone. Galatians 6.10 again. So then, as we have an opportunity, let us do good for everyone. In other words, Paul is challenging us to look beyond ourselves, but not neglect our responsibilities here. It's this broad and general encouragement to do good for others. And as Matthew 5.14 says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. In verse 16, it says, In the same way, let, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So how do we be light? How do we do good for everyone? Well, it's actually engaging in a relationship with others. It's being the salt and light wherever you are. In other words, as you spend time with those people that God has placed in your life, rich, 
poor, arrogant, broken people that God has put in a relationship with you, he's saying, do good. He's saying, do good as you're (laughs) watching your kids play soccer and you're interacting with the other parents. Do good as you're managing your employees. He's saying, do good as you're having a conversation with your neighbor and they're ticking you off. He's saying, do good to the people that God has placed in your life. So how do we start to do good? A guy named Kevin Harney says this. He says it starts with listening. Jesus listened to people. He not only heard their words, he cared about them inside and out. He didn't see people as projects. I'm going to add, he saw people who needed love. And if you were to look at the life of Jesus... You know, many people hated the tax collector because they saw them as traitors and thieves. But when Jesus looked at Matthew, he saw a man who became his friend. He became someone that he loved and brought into his inner circle and made a disciple. When Jesus looked at the Samaritan woman, you know, everyone else shunned her, cast her to the side, They saw this relational moral failure, but Jesus saw someone that he could invite in, who he could befriend, and as a result, she changed her life. In other words, Jesus had this habit of listening and relating to people exactly where they were. His life was this powerful example of, to all, of walking in the Spirit, not in the flesh. And the people that he encountered, he would ask questions and listen. He would ask questions and listen. And give them the gospel. I think every single day, we have an opportunity to do good. To look around us and see the people that God has placed in our life. An opportunity to lift someone's burden. An opportunity to help and be in relationship with others. I remember coming home tired and exhausted one Sunday afternoon. And I was sitting on my porch just kind of enjoying rest and quiet. And then I heard this cry. At first, I thought it was a kid crying, and I was looking for my kids. They were nowhere to be found. And this cry continued. Then I realized it was my neighbor. She was probably 20 years old, and she's sobbing and crying on her step. A part of me is like, oh, I just want to go in the house. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm done. She continued to cry and cry, and it got louder and louder. So suddenly, I walked over and I said, hey, I hear you crying. I'm a pastor. Do you want to talk? 
She said yes. She shared what she was going through, some painful, dark things. And in that moment, I listened. I cared for her. And at the end of the conversation, I prayed with her. I talked with her about what, it, what Jesus meant to me. And she wanted to take that step forward. And it began, there's this process where I could help carry just a little bit of her burden and point her to Christ. Paul is telling us that we are meant to live in connectiveness. That we are meant to live in togetherness where we are rubbing shoulders with one another. Where we need to be in relationship. It's learning to be aware of the struggles of others around us. And sometimes just caring is enough. Sometimes it's simply offering a listening ear. And sometimes it's actually carrying others' burdens. Someone said this, those who wait to do good will never do it. I'm going to call the worship team up. And in closing, do you have people that you can count on? Do you have people that will come and help you carry your burden when it seems overwhelming and unbearable? Are you building gospel-centered relationships? One of our values here is to be relational. It means that we're seeking to build, again, gospel-centered relationships in every area of our life. And as a compassionate family that cares for one another, our community and our world. So as we move to communion, I just want to take some time and ask you this question. What are you carrying that you need to let go of? What's that sin thing that you know is a burden that you need to release to God this morning? I just want to give you the opportunity to talk between you and God. Take 30 seconds and go, okay, God, I've carried this long enough. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn around and turn towards you as I'm not meant to carry that. Just close your eyes. I'm going to give you 30 seconds of quiet and just between you and God.
God, we come before you recognizing that there's things in our life that are heavy, that are overwhelming. And as Paul is saying, there's also sin in our life that we need to repent of. Things that are weighing us down, things that are binding us, things that are keeping us from being the person that you've called us to be. So God, we repent of those things right now. We release them to you. We ask for forgiveness. Thank you that you are the God who can free us from our sin because of what you did on the cross. So God, help us to be people who walk in the Spirit. People who are pushing the flesh away because we want you. We want your glory. We want to see you working in this place. So God, we surrender ourselves and we ask that this would be a day that we take a step forward as a church where we listen to each other, where we walk with one another, where we care enough, where we can help and carry each other's burdens. Oh God, I long for that. But a church that also looks beyond ourselves and sees a community that needs you. So today, God, help us to be that church. We can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it by just simply good works. But we can do it through you, through your spirit. So God, we commit this to you. May your spirit move in the hearts of all those who are here right now in the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.